Welcome to the Truth of the Matter Is podcast. I am your host, Daniel, alongside Jonathan, and we are back for episode 123. First and foremost, let's give a round of applause to all of our new and, of course, our consistent listeners. We thank you and hope that you continue to press play at your own convenience. So, Daniel, how you doing today? No, can't complain. I'm doing all right. Well, that's good. That's good. That's good. So, what is one or two ways you believe the Lord has blessed you last week? Um, honestly, that's a, a, a tough answer for me because it wasn't a good week last week. <laughs> but, um... I actually don't really have any way that I can think of. Just because, uh, uh, I don't know, I wasn't in a good mind state last week, so. You are breathing. That's a blessing. Yeah, that's very true. There, there's, there you go. Something something positive. Yeah. I like that. So, I always have some interesting things that happen to me. So, this was an interesting one. Last week, Sunday, towards the end of the night. For some strange reason, I was hanging out to do a pickup at a supermarket, and there was a particular order that kept coming in, but it kept showing up on my app, and no one was taking it. So I was like, why is no one taking this order? And I obviously didn't know what was in the order itself, but I saw the item count, I saw the pay, and I was like, eh, not going to really do that one. However, I hung around because in a lot of cases, the pickups that are done at supermarkets, even though they are calling you to go in and pick some things up, tend to be the ones that pay much better. It's much more time-consuming, but they do pay better. So I kind of hung around for another 45 minutes, and then the order that kept coming in that nobody was taking, they went up you know, seven bucks. So I took the order and where it was bringing me to was near the conduit, not too far from the house. So I ended up doing a drop off point. And then on my way home, I saw like my window was rolling down. I was on the phone and the individual was like, Hey, can we borrow your, your knock? And I was like, my knock. So there's a kit that's in every car should be there anyhow where you can take the knots out out of the tire that connects it to the wheel and is there to help you take it out because obviously drill is the much more efficient way but there's also a knock piece so i pulled over and it so happened to be that there was a woman who her front right wheel was off well, it actually wasn't on. It was on, and they needed the tool so that they could take it off. And what was interesting is that the guy that was helping her, I thought, was her boyfriend. So, you know, I said, you know what? Let's practice and exercise what's written in John about loving your brothers and also loving yourself. But also, you know, Matthew 25, you see someone in help, and you can assist them, help them. Right? So I said, yeah, sure, why not? Pulled over, took the thing out of the trunk, brought it over, and I watched the individual take the tire off with it, replace it with the donut, because that's what it's called. A donut is a temporary thing that you put on your car. Probably it's pretty good for maybe 50 miles until you're able to find a new tire. So I watched that transpire. Come to find out, when the individual was done taking the tire off and putting the donut on, she said thank you. He said thank you. Well, guess what? The guy that assisted her was not his. Was not her boyfriend. It was a random guy. So this is kind of what I speak about: being part of divine meetings and assistance for others, or an expression of God's love to someone else. An experience like this. It took. Her 
going through a situation where something happened to her car to a random stranger offering to assist her to me driving and pulling up at the right time to have the willingness to give them the tool necessary for her to be on her way and for her to continue going where she was going and i took part in assisting and expressing god's love to a woman that needed help from two strangers that did not know her when all she needed was help and i take pride and i appreciate those moments because it shows you that the way we show or express god's love is through the actions right let us not love words or tongues but in actions and in truth i could have been selfish i could have ignored him when he asked me for the tool but i didn't instead i was invited and i was a participant of blessing somebody else who was under dire circumstances and needed the help and for me i was glad to be a part of that situation and outcome so that's how i was blessed i participated in somebody else's ability to be and receive love to experience love and to me that brought joy within my own heart because that's nothing but an opportunity to see god's love operate through individuals so that's how i was blessed uh, i don't think necessarily i need a second one i think that one in itself is a great moment to express and speak about yeah so any comments i'm glad that you continue to be um Samaritan. Yeah, you know, people, the most important thing is that no one's ever seen God. If we love one another, God's love is made perfect and complete in us. So I want to make sure that I'm doing the will of God whenever the opportunity presents itself. And I do believe that if we all took on that approach, no one would have to do but so much. I think we all can jump in and participate and being a help for people in under their dire circumstances so yeah absolutely so with that being how we will start this podcast myself and Dale encourage you to reflect over the week and of course you'll be surprised where the presence of God was and how he's been with you minute by minute hour by hour day by day you just need to reflect and pay real close attention to the details that are happening in our lives. Of course, in the word of Jen, that's something she's shared to me. For the most part, I never understood until I started realizing that, yeah, each and every one of us have details in our lives that are happening. And it's important and critical that we recognize that and thank God for them. Because the details make up the overall point of view and conclusion we have about the things we go to and how they're necessary and they put together an an overall main point and take away we ought to have or we ought to see the world think about it now without further ado let's pray first and foremost before we dive into the word for today oh god in the name of jesus we thank you we glorify you we honor you we lift you up we appreciate we appreciate you and all that you keep doing for humanity for us from an individual standpoint we thank you for grace and mercy which we don't deserve we thank you for your blood of course jesus christ which washes away our sins we thank you for living a life we couldn't live for dying a death we should have died we thank you for saving us and giving us and providing us an opportunity to to actually declare your lordship over our lives lord as we read your word today we ask that you humble us teach us build us open up our eyes so that we can see our ears so that we can hear our hearts so that we can receive and finally our minds so that we can perceive or understand your direction and your instructions for the betterment of our lives lord we surrender to you lord in all that we do and all that we say we say this with sure in jesus name we pray amen amen 
So continuing with the Gospel of Matthew series, we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to unpack 15 verses 15 through 20, and we're going to look at the English Standard Version. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased trees bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So, verse 15 is a warning. Sort of like a sound of alarm message. You know, the person who's responsible for being the lookout. Well, in this case, he or she has finally spoken. And it's important that we ought to take heed to be vigilant. We should be awake, not asleep in these situations. We should be on our P on our P's and our Q's. Again, we should be on our P's and our Q's. We should be on the lookout for false teachers, right? It's important that we do not underestimate or ignore the impact and presence of a false teacher and his or her teaching. Instead, we should be aware, knowledgeable of what the messaging will be in case of an interaction or a disciple of theirs crosses our path. To be honest, when we think about the messaging, right, it is not very. Instead, it's based and rooted in rebellion. I repeat that again. To be honest, when we think about the messaging, that's presented to us from these false teachers. It is not very. Instead, it's usually based and rooted in rebellion. Now, if you haven't listened to last week's podcast episode, 122, we suggest that you do so because these rebellions are very inclusive, right? The truth of the matter is false teaching will always provide an alternative to the messaging from the word of God. They will not agree with what scripture has to say on most issues. They will not acknowledge that we are sinners who need saving. Instead, they would preach this, right? They want you to feel good about yourself. And you should. You should feel good about yourself. They do not plan on telling you anything that will hold you accountable. Their messaging will not be direct, but instead it will be a multifaceted song and dance. So what do I mean by that? Meaning, expect a message that is clever in nature and misleading in the truth. What do you mean by that? So clever in nature are things that come off universally acceptable, right? So, as we've talked numerous times on this podcast, what is a universally acceptable statement? There are good people and bad people. That's a universal statement that most people agree with. Treat on to others as you want to be treated. They won't give credit to the scriptures, but they will say that's the golden rule, the rule of thumb. Right? Things we have discussed. So, that's the cleverness in nature. Another misconception that they say is that in you, you're a good person. Now, obviously, we talked about that. Scripture speaks about the fact that we're sinners and we need saving. We need help. We need a savior. There are some that say, I don't need a savior. There is a part of this aspect where people say that the goodness is always within me. I just need to pull it out. And I've always mentioned that a hurt person works through things but in order for them to work to where they need to be they need a therapist in some cases not everybody can accept responsibility for the things that they do and as a result of that they never see themselves as being the issue that's why a lot of cases in marriage having 
therapy and being able to have a mediator between both parties is so that they can bring up and mention things that one person may not be willing to accept, even if it comes from the person that they're married to. There's a hard reality of being told truth and then being able to admit that you're wrong, right? There's the pride aspect that, of that. We know that why Lucifer was cast out. It's because of pride. We know that in Scripture Proverbs, pride comes before the fall. There are just certain things in human nature that we struggle with. And as a result of that, it's hard for us to come to realize that we're wrong. And sometimes that happens at the expense of you going through quite a few things before you realize you're wrong and then you change it. So the messaging that gets presented to us to us are things that are very clever, noon, but at the same time, very relatable to make us say, you know what? I've been there. I know what that's about. And the concept of misleading in truth is because from scripture and for what we believe, there's only one truth. Society presents truth as everyone's truth being accepted and unfortunately everybody's truth can't be accepted because there are some things that are just straight up lies from hell that are just not true and if everybody's truth was real then there would be no accountability that would mean i was in my right to do what i did even though it was wrong because it's my truth you should leave me alone rather than there's an apology there's a misunderstanding there's an assumption that comes along with it a lot of times what truth does is that it shuns out things that are just wrong and it brings accountability. And there are just some people that have a hard time of taking accountability and they always believe that they're right, that they're never in the wrong. And when you have these things, you have conflict, you have misunderstanding and you have a lot of stress that transpired because we can never get on the same page. So that's what I mean. There are messaging that's presented in the society that are clever in nature because it's relatable, but misleading in truth because there are a lot of belief systems that want to promote the idea that everybody, everyone's belief system is true. Not everyone's belief system should be accepted as in I'll hear you out and I understand why you believe what you believe. But of course, you are the, the final decider in terms of what do you do with that piece of information. So... Even here on the truth of the matter is, we respect other people's choices and what they believe. We stand on what we believe based upon scripture. And we allow scripture to sort of shape the fundamental aspect of what we declare the truth is through the scriptures. And I think you should be able to have relationships with people that are not of the same faith and don't believe in the same things or were brought up differently. That's the beautiful thing about meeting diverse people and understanding why they believe what they believe. But still, what you believe is a conviction for you. And understanding that for some, there are convincing things, which is why they preferences and for others. There are convictions, like what I believe me and you have about the word of God and about what God says. So that's what I mean. Cool? Very well explained. All right. So there's a belief that, of course... There are many different truths and ways that should be accepted, not just one, which Jesus obviously declares to himself in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, right? As a reminder, what I don't think we need to read the verse because I believe most of us know what the verse is. Now, before we look at verses that are warnings for us about the false teachers and preachers, let's look at a good sum up from what Paul has to say and i believe most of us who are followers of christ should be convinced of what paul expresses so we're going to go to first corinthians chapter 15. it's really suggested that you read the whole chapter because everything in this is sort of a sum up about what we believe but i thought it was critical and necessary just to pick out verses 1 through 19 as what we need for this conversation Man, this takes me back now Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I have received, 
I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. And that he appeared to Cyphus. And then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living. Though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. And then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also. As to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not deserve to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet... Not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether, then, it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, if in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Yeah, so what he really does is he kind of breaks down what we believe. And he's basically explaining sort of like a table. If you have a table with a bunch of legs underneath it and we go through the checking process of the legitimacy of what holds up the value and truthful what's being shared if we take out one leg out of a time then the foundation of the table starts to break and that means if all these things we believe upon are not true then the foundation falls which means if all those aspects is what holds up the table then we should believe the stability of the table will remain and that's sort of what he's talking about and that's kind of what we do here on a podcast Everything is rooted in truth. And if all those things are rooted in truth and we analyze them individually or individual cases, they should all be able to withhold and stand true regardless of what namesayers will say. Because you may not agree with one portion of it, but here are others that justify its relevance. So it's okay not to believe a portion of it. Right. But we can't take away the fact that it's true. Right. There are a lot of scholars out there that are not followers of Christ, but don't reject the resurrection. The resurrection is one of the most important aspects of the Christian faith. Without the resurrection, a lot of what we believe rooted to be shared and Holy Spirit breathed upon, we shouldn't accept because that means everything will be futile. Your faith will be pointless. Our conversations about faith won't will be in vain. Everything won't matter. And therefore, we're all false witnesses, as Paul, as Paul had put it, right? On the warnings in Scripture, let's begin with John's writings. I believe it was very straightforward. Let's go to Second John, chapter one, and we're going to read verses seven through eleven in the NLT. Second uh, John. Yes, yeah, Second John. Apologies, Second John, chapter one, verse seven through eleven in the NLT. Appreciate the correction. I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God. But anyone who remains in the teachings of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. 
If anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement. Anyone who encourages such people become a part in their evil work. Yeah, you become a partner in evil oh, works. I never knew that. Yeah, and, and here's the interesting thing. This was written such a long, a long time ago, and we have Jehovah Witnesses that knock on doors, presenting a message that is not of the gospel. And this is a warning to those sort of sets and cults that are that come in your presence to discuss things that are not true of the scriptures. So it's amazing how the Holy Spirit, who partnered with man and in inspiring him to write these things on paper and how they're so much relatable to what we're dealing with in the current time. When I speak about how the scriptures transcend times, this is a perfect example of it. If they're teaching things that are not of God, that are contrary to what Christ brought, you know, what Christ brought to society in regards to his message, don't entertain it. Don't discuss it, which is why what are two things they say not to discuss at the dinner table? Politics and religion. Of course, we don't believe in religion, but there are aspects of Christianity that have religious, you know, attempts and processes that make up what we believe. We believe in relationship, but there are undeniably religious rituals that take part, especially rooted in Judaism, right? It's just a difference between the first and second covenant. We're under the second covenant, grace and mercy. The first covenant is more rooted in the law, right? The particulars are obvious, but these are these is one of the things that scripture wants us to be aware of in regards to being diligent, being mindful, and knowing that these people that deny and reject these things, they're classified as the Antichrist, right? And, and we know this too. In First John chapter 2, verse 16, it says that if you accept, if you believe in the Son, you believe in the Father also. But if you reject the Son, you reject the Father also. This is where we get the fact that the Father and the Son are equal in terms of power and influence. And if you are acknowledging one, you're acknowledging the other. But if you deny one, you deny the other. Specifically, if you deny the Son, then you deny the Father. And First John goes on explaining that the testimony about the Son came from who? Father, right? So that's just to get into that. Let's go to Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 5, NLT. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. That time is here. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Right? So it's letting you know. It's a scripture prophecy foretelling us to expect these periods and times, which we are in, as you well put, that there are going to be different things that are shared. Right? So the beautiful thing about scripture is it's letting us know. So that when it happens, don't have it be a, such a surprise to you. Right? It's just putting you on notice that things these things are going to become much more well advertised in society as time continues to tick. Right? So this is the important thing about that. Now let's go to 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 through 6 NLT. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if, if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in this world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people, because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's point viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. This is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth 
or the spirit of deception. Yeah, there's another passage in the gospel where Jesus says, if they reject you, you being the messenger, they reject me, who's obviously Jesus, the Messiah. And if they reject the Messiah, then they reject the one who sent him, which is the Father. So, uh, there's another passage in Corinthians where it says, we are representatives and ambassadors for Christ. If people are rejecting the truth that you are sharing, then they are rejecting the one who sent you. The Holy Spirit also encourages and gives you a, a spirit of boldness to declare the truth. And if they are rejecting the Spirit along with you, Jesus as well, then they're going to reject God. So they're not going to accept any of those things. And if they are to accept any of those things, then they have to accept the source of where it's coming from. Right? So it's almost like a, a ladder in regards to the hierarchy of why us as representatives and ambassadors the truth that we share the information we share is not of our own the information that we share comes from the source the scriptures right and for the sake of time there's also second peter chapter two the whole chapter myself and daniel suggest reading the whole chapter in context right now of course we don't have the time to read the whole thing but we believe you got the point and that point is be on guard be mindful of the deception and the deceiver who comes to tell you lies that do not come from God, but come from Satan, come from hell. These are things you have to be mindful, right? It's critical that we understand false the false teacher's methods so that when they make an appearance to you, you will recognize them in their attempt to persuade you down a path of destruction, right? Here's some bonus advice, too. And this is something I've had to learn too. The devil and his representatives will not come with aggression. I repeat, the devil and his representatives will not come with aggression. Or rather, expect a winning smile. Expect a gentle approach. A soft-spoken and innocent vibe as they try to use strange philosophies and ideologies to lead you down a path of destruction. And I mean, think about just the concept of sales, right? If you want someone to buy your product, you want to make sure that the way you speak to them, that you're winning them in some capacity of your gentleness and your respect. If you come aggressively and nasty and your attitude stinks, then you can almost expect that the outcome won't be you winning the sell over. So you have to understand that they're not going to come to you in a dissatisfying way. They're going to come to you in a way that seems like they care about you and they want what's best for you and that you're missing something. And as long as they can get you in that frame of mind, then they can promote and share information to you that may seem off. But that's the part of persuasion that we tend to miss. And they get you thinking that you're not living in the means to really thrive, but you're, there's things about you that could be a lot more all you need to be is informed so be mindful of that be cautious of that as well this is why i also speak about the importance of the understanding of the websites that these individuals are speaking from check out their websites check out their page but we'll get into that a little bit later this is why let me say this this is why god you know, knowing God's word is essential because it would allow you to discern the motives. The truth of the matter is rightly dividing the word of truth. God will bring you up to speed so that this won't come as a surprise to you. Think about it, right? With the knowledge of the word, along with the Holy Spirit, you will easily be able to pick apart and realize the lies being told by crafty false teachers. Amen. So let's move on to verse 16 of Matthew 7. Daniel. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So the term, yeah, so the term fruits here simply means their results. Meaning when a false teacher speaks, we should be able to recognize them by their results, specifically their doctrine, which tells the story of why they believe what they believe so you have to ask yourself 
as an ambassador and representative of Christ. Does the person's fruits reflect what the word of God teaches? Now, here's another careful and cautious thing. When we when we think about a person's fruits, be aware that Satan has power. Right. And, and there's so many conversations I've had with people that dabbled in other different belief systems. And one of the requests that they actually do is build altars in the name of their God. And in the beginning, everything that you wished and asked for, they do start coming true. But instead, we're checking for the longevity of what they're saying. Is it destroying? Is it detrimental to you? Is it detrimental to people around you? Are things starting to happen that are worse than how it began? These are things you do. You have to be careful and mindful of when it comes to checking their fruits, right? Is the fruit that they're getting, the fruit is the tree from which the fruit that they're getting from, is it still standing? Or did it wither and die, right? You have to ask yourself as an ambassador of Christ, does the person's fruit reflect what the word of God teaches? What you ought to be also careful is there's different doctrines from different churches. It's important that in any church you attend, you first want to check out their mission statement, which you'll find on their website. Every church has a mission statement, just like we have a mission statement on our pack, our, on our podcast. And we kind of tell you what our, our mission statement is all about. Right. It's, it's essential and important that you check out the mission statement of anything because it points in the direction of what you can expect moving forward from what it is that you're looking to join and be a part of. Very, very important, right? So I, I'll go over what our mission statement is, right? The Truth of the Matters podcast, right, is all about providing an honest, contextual, historical, psychological, and sociological, and political, and philosophical view of the Bible through the use of hermeneutics, and from time to time, personal experiences from myself and Daniel. Our goal is to help listeners obtain knowledge, open perspective, as well as give practical ways of applying the teachings of everyday life through the inspired word of God. That's our mission statement. We want to help equip you to take the things that are highly promoted in school, in your learning, and to find ways to see how it's applicable to how we live life through the inspired word of God. And all these topics we believe are rooted in scripture. And that is our mission here. On the truth of that matter is. Now the reason why I say check out their mission statement. Is because it leads you to understand their principles. Of course these are churches and beliefs. That are taught and held. In their establishments. Again if it doesn't align with scripture. The suggestion is that you should flee and stay away from them. The church home you pick needs to reflect the word of God, point blank, period. Now, of course, these are tough standards in today's time because the standards continue to change. But the word of God and his standard needs to remain, which means we don't change. We know society does, but what we believe is not what should change. Remember... We are ambassadors maneuvering in an environment. We should not allow the environment to manipulate our stance. But we should be looking to impact the environment. Remember, the gospel message is not just a personal transformation, but it's a public and community reform. Which means as ambassadors of Christ, our job is to impact the society at large by the actions and choices and stances we take that are rooted in scripture. Okay. Remember. We are to come out and be separate. We are different. We are not of this world. But we are in it. And it's important. That the word of God. Hate, helps shape our mind. Thoughts. Attitudes. Actions. And motives. Which allows us to maneuver within it. Amen. So the question at the end of verse 16. Is an important one. And that is, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from, this, from thistles? 
And the truth of the matter is thistles and thorn bushes can never produce fruit because of their nature. I suggest you look at what thorns bushes are. And I suggest you look up what thistles are. In nature, they can't produce fruit. It's impossible. So the question is actually a rhetorical one that Jesus is asking. And when you think about it, which had me thinking, I had to ask myself, why do I believe Jesus mentioned the obvious to us in verse 16? Right? I was puzzled. I was trying to understand if it's rhetorical and it's obvious, why mention it? And then I came up with this conclusion. I believe Jesus wants us to recognize the huge difference between those who are in truth and those who are living a lie, falsehood. Sort of like two opposite ends of a stick and how different they are. And how different they are obviously result in them going in completely different opposite directions, not meeting in the middle, but separated from one another. And there should not be any relationship or connection when there's that much of a difference and a gap in comparison to philosophies and ideologies, right? You should never get it mixed up or under any circumstances, there should never be a close call between both these belief systems. And I think that's important to highlight and to mention and not to forget. So let's go to verse 17 through 19, Daniel. Even so, Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the unhealthy tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Yeah, so in the book of James chapter 3, I believe it's verse 11, James asks as a question. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And the answer is no. But I want to go deeper here. In the Gospel of John, chapter 15, Jesus talks about himself being a vine. And we, who have placed our faith in Christ, are branches. And he says, apart from him, we can do nothing. Which means, apart from the branch that is apart from the vine, it can't grow. It can't do anything. Why? Because it's not attached to the source to allow it to to continue to grow right now of course jesus is the vine here and we are the branches and as long as the branch is not attached to the vine then the branch can't continue to grow and flourish but as long as we remain in the vine which is jesus we're going to bear much fruit that's the philosophical depiction described by jesus as to what it means to stay attached to what gives us life now, I want to talk about those who are not in Christ and decide not to remain in the vine. Those would be considered false teachers. Why are they false teachers? Because if you're going to be attached to the vine and the thing that it bestows upon the branch, in this case, philosophically, it has to do it also with correct teaching. And if you're not within the vine that produces, then eventually... Whatever you're attempting to do will fall on the wayside. It won't have any value. In the beginning, I want you to know that these false teachers might start off well, but their downfall will be exactly the same. So let's go to Romans chapter 16. This kind of speaks to this. And let's look at verses 17 through 20 in the NLT. Now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause division and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They're serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. And I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Yeah, so before we close out with verse 19 and 20, which is very straightforward, I also want to explain to you the title of this podcast. Now, I titled it Fresh, Sweet, and Good to Eat. 
right? It's very catchy, but it's very intentional. And I'm going to explain to you why I tattered to that, right? Now, when something is fresh, we can call it brand new. Again, when something is fresh, we can surmise and come to the conclusion that it's brand new. And as ambassadors and representatives of Christ, when we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, guess what he did? He did something new in us. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and let's go to verse 14 through 17 in the NLT. Either way, Christ, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for us, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. It means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. I don't like that verse. Why don't you like it? I don't like the word controls. I think I think uh, Christ's love is an option. and It doesn't control you. It, it embraces you. Okay. And it guides you. But I will never say it controls you. I don't like this. I don't like this translation personally. All right. So what we will do is we'll look up another translation. That's fair. There's always a time where the way something is phrased can come off, turn off fishy. Right. And I hear what you're saying in, in regards to why you feel that the way is expressed in that way is turn off fishy so let's try let's try the english standard version i'll read it it says for the love of christ controls us oh wow said in the english standard let me look at it let me look at it in the the amplified Because I'm sure there's a reason for that. And I mean, I can unpack it, but. It says, again, it says, for the love of Christ controls and compels us because we have included this. So let's actually do this. Let's look at it in the. Now, if it's in the King James, if it's in the new King James version. Then that's going to that'll be interesting. Okay, here's where it says, for the love of Christ compels us because we, because we just thus, that if one died. So I can understand how the word controls is an issue, but compels is like almost influences us, right? In other words, if God's love is an influence, then we can start to understand how he is influencing us. I think the word control there. In a sense, obviously, it's not the best way it could be received for one. But that's kind of how it is, right? You come across a scripture or a verse and how it is expressed and explained. And you may not like it. But I think the most important thing is the correct terminology is compels. So let me just read it. For the love of God, the love of Christ compels us because we just thus. That if one die for all, then all die. And he died for all so that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we guard no one according to the flesh, even though we know now we even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, let not we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new so let's we'll make note of that and i'll probably have to look into that maybe there's a portion of it in the in hebrew or the greek or whatnot on how that can be off-putting but you know you won't find everything that's pleasant here 
So when it comes to eating, uh, you know, one thing too about that is like it's not whether I find it pleasant or not. Sometimes I think certain translations is um, and then who am I to argue with the word, right? But sometimes I hear certain translations and it makes it sounds like make it sound as if God is trying to control you to do anything. God doesn't control you to do anything. Whether you choose to believe him or not, believe in in him or not. While I may, I, I wouldn't even say it hurts him. It's up to you to decide what it is you want to believe. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, at the end of the day, you you have a choice to make. And it doesn't, the word control is like, God, it's not going to compel you or control you to do anything you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. It's going to let you live your life as you see fit. But be prepared for the consequences that comes with choosing to live a life as you see fit. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's as far as it goes. I don't think God controls you to do anything. Yeah. I have to look into that. But I appreciate you pointing that out. See, sometimes the smallest mm-hmm. details and how you have something that's expressed is something worth checking out. But so, yeah, when it comes, let's get back to why I called it fresh, sweet, and good to eat, right? When it comes to eating anything fresh, why the way? The person that's consuming the food notices right away, right? And mm-hmm. we can say that, that we can say about this from a salad. I remember I had a salad a few days ago, and man, when I went and brought those items and I rinsed it off and I made the salad, it was fresh. It was amazing. And sometimes when you eat all the junk food or the fast food stuff, and you eat something that's fresh like that, immediately it catches you by surprise. It's like an allusion to your your sense is that this is something that is refreshing and I needed to have versus something that I'm used to and you kind of get the taste. But this fresh feeling is a new a new revealing, revealing feeling that you have when you're consuming it. And that's what the aspect of what fresh does, right? Same thing with seafood, like lobster and shrimp, right? You have it. And I know that you're allergic, by the way, so you may not be able to empathize with what I'm saying right now. But yeah, I'm go ahead and rub it in. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's okay. I'm trying to think. There's something else I know you eat that is fresh that you recognize as fresh, but maybe yeah, maybe cucumber, right? The cucumber itself, uh, once it's peeled and made, you probably recognize the freshness no, to it. You don't have to explain to me. It's fine. You already yeah, had I'm, a salt in the wound. I'm sorry. It's okay. Too late. Yeah. Right, maybe it doesn't help. All right. So the same way the person is in Christ right away, we know that the person in Christ right away, there's something different about them, right? Maybe it's the way they speak, how they carry themselves. All of a sudden, you recognize that they're different. And this is what the freshness of Christ has bestowed upon us that makes us different. The way we talk, the way we walk through our essence, who we are, right? This brings me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 25. And we're going to look at this in the English Standard Version. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. We live by the Spirit. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So again, this is... That's what I mean. That's a better... uh, yeah, expression of, of yeah when you're when you're led by the spirit it, there's nothing that's meant to control you you just operate different and i, and I love that mm. so this is jesus this is the effect of of, the, of jesus christ and mm-hmm. what he's taught you and the things that you start to all of a sudden do as a result and your desire to be more like him, right? Standing, right? And this is also the assistance of the Holy Spirit who gives you new desires, a new frame of mind that isn't selfish, but selfless, right? When we Mm. think of something being sweet, so I'm moving on to the next part. So that's the aspects of why it's fresh. But when we think of something being sweet, we think of something being pleasant, something being satisfying, something being good. When God created us on the sixth day, he said it was good. To take it a step further, when God had finished with his work of creation and began to look back at everything he had made and accomplished, 
it was then that he could surmise and everything that worked out exactly as he planned, meaning God was satisfied and pleased with everything in it, in this entirely, which is why he called it then very good. Now, humanity is part of God's creation, which makes it very good. And in my book, we were sweet to God in the most pleasing way. Now, I'm not talking about when God floods the earth as a result of the sons of God having sex with the daughters of God. And that's a whole other conversation. Not talking about that aspect. So there's a reason why he flooded the earth, because they tainted the image of how he wanted humanity to reflect himself. Right. And we're dealing with Nephilim and the different species that was resulted. That was an abomination to God. But I'm speaking more about us being created in God's image, the Imago Dei, deserving dignity and respect and value and love and appreciation. That's what I'm talking about, right? Therefore, making, you know, therefore making marvel that which was makes sense to why David made the statement about God when he spoke this. And this happens to be in scripture as well. Let's go to Psalms chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 9 in the English Standard Version. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him domain over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the seas, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now check this out, right? Let's go to the book of Isaiah, and let's go to chapter 43, verse 7, NLT. Bring all who claim me as their God. For I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. So if we were created for God's glory, that would have to mean that we're sweet, meaning God's pleasing, that we're good and pleasing to God. Let me repeat that. If we were created in God's, for God's glory, right? We're a reflection of God's glory. That would have to mean that we were sweet, meaning good and pleasing to God. And if we are good and pleasing to God, it is only right that we should delight ourselves in him because he wants us to be successful and he wants us to thrive and he wants us to flourish and he wants us to be, he wants to be a part of this, which is why he bestows upon his guidance and direction for our success. This is why Psalms 37, 4 also says, Psalms 37.4 Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Right, so to, to delight is to gain great pleasure, satisfaction, and joy for the Lord. Well, why would he want us to have that? Well, he created us, he wants us to be blessed, and he wants to be a part of it. So think about this, right, thus far. We are fresh, which means to be brand new. And we are sweet, which means to be pleasing to God. Now let's unpack what it means to be good to eat. Right? That's the last phrase of it. When you think about something being good to eat, it's safe to say that it's appetizing. That it's appealing. In the early stages of this podcast, an old episode, I mentioned how we are not the main course on the menu. Instead, we are the dessert, which is appetizing. And in most cases, dessert is designed to be appealing. So as ambassadors and or representatives of Jesus Christ, we can do a lot for the body of Christ. But it starts with our patience. The phrase good to eat speaks to the preparation and the time that something can be made and set to be digestible for the receiver. Remember this, literally speaking. If the food is too hot, then it's not ready to be eaten. 
As ambassadors and representatives, we have to pick our spots. And we have to wait for opportune times to want to share the messages to those who ask about it. Right? First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do it gently and respectfully. Scripture also says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4, verse 2 through 2 through 3. Let me go again. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. And this is what it says. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. So it's telling us that sharing the word of God is obviously has to be done in opportune times. But it's something that should be shared in season and out of season. And it's something that is done with patience and with a desire to help others. Now, the concept of in or out in season has more to do with... So let's just look at a concept. Some people might say that ice cream is better eaten during the summertime because it constitutes that the fact during the summertime is hot. So ice cream is enjoyable during the summertime. Another aspect might be like, yo, I like drinks that are really cold with ice in it why because during the heat is nothing more refreshing to some than to have a cold drink with ice but what scripture is saying about teaching the word of god is that in or out of season regardless of how we look at how something should be eaten or drank in a particular section or period in time where you want to enjoy it being able to share god's word should always be open and there shall be there will there should always be an opportunity to want to share God's word and provide truth but it has to happen in patience to the right people and the right audience and it has to be taught to those who have a willingness to want to know and I think that that tends to fall on deaf ears of a lot of people but the whole concept of being fresh sweet and good to eat is that this is how we ought to carry ourselves as ambassadors and representatives of Christ being able to discern and know when and how we can get our point across without being aggressive distasteful and harmful to people that are still living their lives still trying to figure things out and the last thing that they want to hear is something being shared to them in a moment that they can't receive it so that's the reason why we have to be cautious in the things we say in the right moments we say them. Now let's finish with verse 19 and 20 in Matthew 7. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So simply put, those who are not living the Christian difference, meaning those who are not repenting, those who are continuing in the elementary ways of thinking that could be blaming others and not taking full responsibilities and pointing fingers at others, right? Those aren't Christian values. In fact, those are undecided individuals who are still trying to figure out what they want and however long they need to figure out what it is that they want. But for now, we can notice that they're lost and we can pray for them. Because eventually we were, they will turn it around. And at one point, I'm pretty sure a lot of us were there trying to figure things out. And the most important avenue for being able to figure things out is reflection. Right? And sometimes you have to do it at a distance. Give them time to figure things out. Right? But it's important to be careful also of self-proclaimed false teachers whose motives are not pure. So every tree that does not bear good fruit, meaning they are not fresh nor sweet and not good to eat, haven't remained in the vine or in Christ, where there is production and sound doctrine and truth and scriptures, right? What's being expressed is that that branch will be cut down and thrown into the fire. 
Therefore, by their fruit, you will recognize them as false prophets. And how will we recognize them? Well, they're not in Christ. But they're in something else. Which we believe, based upon scripture, is falsehood. And their faith. They don't have any faith in Christ. So as a result, for right now, according to scripture, their path will lead themselves to destruction. So, I say this. Let's be fresh, sweet, and good to eat. And the way we do that is that we pick and choose the things we say for the right time. We make sure that as individuals that are sweet, we are created and worthy for God's calling. And as a result of that, we continue to strive to be the good that God wants from us. It takes time. And we're fresh because we're made new. And as new individuals, we should act like it. But also at the same time, have enough patience and acknowledgement that you're new. And the way you treat others and the way you carry yourselves can make other people envious, enviness. Make them envy of you. And that's a good thing. Because then it points back to the original source. So... I want us to go I want us to end on this note let's be vigilant let's be aware of who we are in Christ and let's also allow the scriptures to help us understand what to watch out for and as long as we're doing that and we're being fresh, sweet, and good to eat while also being mindful of what's being taught and expressed in the world. We will always be steps ahead of the enemy. And I think that goes for living the life that God has called us to. And also helping those who have a willingness to learn. And with that being said, we'll lead and end with devotional time. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 15 through 18, it says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Former preach Christ out of self-ambition, not sincerely, Supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains, but does it? Well, what does it matter? This is a question here. Well, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. During this time, Paul expressed the importance of the gospel message spreading. The Great Commission was in good swing and people were learning more and more about Christ. So why not be thankful for people hearing the good news? But today we have something to be mindful of and that's how we share God's word. The goal is not to mislead and it's not to change the narrative, not to control. With so much falsehood being put on display, all we have to do is hold on to his word and keep it in Keep it with us at all times. Because as long as we hold on to that, with the assistance of the Holy Spirit, we can keep the faith. So here's a small prayer for the week that will set the tone and allow us to continue to step with the Spirit. Lord, help me to keep the faith and strengthen me, direct me, and educate me to your truth, the only real truth that there is. And all in agreement say, Amen. Amen.